Hello, uh, this podcast is part of our tax podcast series. I'm Ian Hyde and I lead the tax disputes team at Osborne Clark. Today I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Hewling McCarthy QC of 11U Square to talk about mediating tax disputes with HMRC. Hewling is a well-known tax barrister who also acts as a mediator in tax disputes. Hello Hewling. Hello Ian. Now before we get into details, uh, can you set the scene with some comments on how and why HMRC mediate. From a, from a tax perspective, the advantage is obvious. Uh, most clients, especially general counsel who are used to compromising claims, are surprised sometimes by HMRC's attitude to disputes. So perhaps you could explain why HMRC mediate, given the litigation and settlement strategy under which broadly HMRC will not settle for less than they believe they would obtain in tribunal. How can mediation, or ADR, or facilitating mediation, ever work? Yes, so you're, you're quite right about the litigation and settlement strategy, Ian. Um, so, so I think if I can set the scene with a straightforward forward example, so take a capital gains tax gain. If HMRC believe it's taxable, but the taxpayer believes it's exempt, then a taxpayer may well be willing to settle for 50%, say, reflecting an element of litigation risk. But on the other hand, HMRC would not consider themselves able to do so since they would see that as an all or nothing question. So according to their litigation and settlement strategy, or the LSS for short, if the revenue have received advice that they are more likely than not to be correct on that issue or that type of issue, then HMRC will typically pursue all the tax. But if, on the other hand, they've received advice that they're more likely than not to be wrong, then HMRC should typically agree the exemption. Um, that said, the LSS makes provision for HMRC to carry on such a dispute, even if, even if the, the merits are, low, are poor for them, if there are other reasons. So, for example, an important point of law at stake or extremely large sums of tax. Um, however, of course, the vast majority of tax disputes are not as black and white as that. So, for example, there are a range of reasonable answers in cases involving valuation, uh, another example, VAT partial exemption cases can also give rise to multiple routes for settlement. And most importantly, parties shouldn't lose sight of the fact that almost all tax disputes are highly fact specific. And the majority of ADRs, certainly in my experience, revolve around clearing up factual misunderstandings. And once the facts have been properly understood by both sides, then there may not be a dispute about the relevant tax law at all. So entirely consistent with the LSS, one of the central reasons for pursuing ADR in tax cases is if there is a, a factual dispute. Yes, it, it's, it must be the case, mustn't it? Mediation doesn't change the fundamentals of HMRC's uh, governance codes. OK, against, against that background, for those who have come across mediation in a commercial context, could you explain how mediation with HMRC is both similar to normal mediation and also its differences. Yes, yeah, sure. So starting off, there are a lot of similarities between tax and, say, commercial mediation. Um, there would be similar important preparatory stages before the day itself. So, for example, exchanging information and position papers. Uh, both will typically last a day with the parties split out into their own rooms, with a joint meeting room and a room for the mediators. 
Um, and then the mediators will facilitate the discussion in a very similar way. So via a combination of joint and individual meetings. And the objective in each case is for constructive negotiation with a view to problem solving and wherever possible settlement. Um, but as you say, there are some differences too. So first of all, ADR with HMRC will normally involve a mediator who's an HMRC employee. Now, that individual will be an HMRC's ADR team and will not have been involved in the case before. So while it's true that therefore they're not an entirely independent third party, they do take seriously their role as being impartial facilitator. Another difference is that while the discussions are on the whole confidential and without prejudice, um, however, confidentiality does not extend to evidence of criminality. And HMRC have a carve out in their ADR agreement, um, permitting them to rely on what they call material tax facts in later formal proceedings. Um, they define material tax facts as facts which have the potential to result in significant changes to the tax or penalty position. So just to give a really obvious example, if, you're, if your client suddenly announces in the ADR that they have a million pounds of undeclared income hidden in an offshore account, HMRC could rely on that admission in any later litigation. Um, no doubt one day there's going to be a case as to what exactly amounts to a material tax fact, since it's not obvious where the line should be drawn. I mean, that, that example I gave you there was just a, a, a very blatant one. Um, and then the last, the last, well, not necessarily the last, but one, one of the other differences is that sometimes it might not be possible for HMRC to settle on the day itself if their internal governance panels are involved. Um, that said, those panels tend to take a steer from the HMRC caseworkers, and it would be, in my experience anyway, pretty unusual for a panel to ignore a recommendation for settlement by the caseworker. Yes, thanks. And just on that, um, the material tax facts point, um, I, I always think it's relevant for clients to appreciate that it can apply to subtler points than the sort of forgotten offshore account example you gave. And, and mediation often requires the taxpayer to disclose the strength or weakness of a position as part of trying to get a settlement. And so even if it's on a without prejudice basis, HMRC can't and won't forget what they've been told. So as it were, the genie's out of the bag to some extent. Just on that point about HMRC employees being mediators, that is rather counterintuitive. But in my experience, I think it actually works. The officers who take the mediator role, I find are very helpful. Is that is that your experience? Uh, yes, certainly I, I'd agree with that. So I've actually been involved um, with HMRC ADR right from the very beginning, working with HMRC uh, during the pilot phases, representing the CIOT on certain certain internal panels of theirs, um, of their ADR initiatives since around 2011. And that was one of the issues that initially concerned the profession a great deal, this idea of having an HMRC employee be the facilitator. Um, but in my experience, and indeed, I think in the experience of anyone that's, that's, that's participated in ADR on the whole, the facilitators take great pride in their work um, and in being able to resolve disputes. So they will take active steps to demonstrate their impartiality and neutrality throughout the process. Um, just to give you a bit of a bit of an example, I recall one of the earliest pieces of feedback in the SME 
ADR pilot was from an unrepresented taxpayer who absolutely sung the praises of the HMRC facilitator um, and thought that that individual had been invaluable in him being able to bring his dispute with HMRC to a close. Um, now I think the profession has come to realise that using HMRC mediators is a great service that's also free of charge too. Um, and, and the one thing I'm not aware of, I'm not aware of any negative feedback over the years about the independence of HMRC's internal facilitators themselves. Yes, the, the, the perception is or has been that, that, that they are very helpful in small mediations. But the concern I come across with commercial clients who haven't done tax mediation before is that they worry the whole mediation process will be pointless with an HMRC employee as the independent mediator, as they won't push or challenge HMRC. And I think that's where the co-mediator uh, comes in to give to give the taxpayer some, some confidence. And in fact, that's, I think, what you've been doing quite a lot of, isn't it? It's the idea is that they pointed effectively by HMRC, by, by the taxpayer, comes in and and operates as co-mediator with HMRC's mediator, but gives it the taxpayers and confidence. Yes. So, so I think, Ian, you're quite right. It, it's correct that taxpayers will still be concerned, especially if they haven't participated in HMRC ADR before, about having just an HMRC employee as the facilitator. And so, as you say, in that situation, um, you representing your taxpayer clients can appoint a co-mediator to work together with the HMRC facilitator. And, and HMRC take absolutely no objection to this at all. And there have been some very successful um, jointly facilitated disputes that have settled. Um, however, that appointment of the co-mediator will be at the taxpayer's cost which, to be honest, is reasonable enough because HMRC see that they are providing their own mediator free of charge. So if you as a taxpayer would like to have someone else there, then it's fine, provided you pay for it, putting it bluntly. Um, one point I think, though, that it's important to make clear is that external co-mediators are required to sign up to HMRC's terms and conditions for working in HMRC's ADR process. And so that includes signing up to HMRC's exceptions to confidentiality that I discussed earlier, but also, importantly, the co-mediator has to agree that ultimately the HMRC mediator will have the final say on how the ADR is to operate. So to give a really straightforward example, say it reaches 6pm on the ADR day itself and the HMRC facilitator thinks the mediation should be terminated, then that decision stands even if the external facilitator thinks it might be worth pressing on for another hour. Um, but I found that, to, to be quite frank, it's not really an issue in practice, since the HMRC facilitators are very keen to work collaboratively with their co-facilitator, um, as well as with both parties, um, and they quite enjoy having the company of a co-facilitator and someone to bounce thoughts off. Um, working collaboratively includes, which I think is a, is a really important point, in the run-up to the ADR itself, as well as on the day. So, for example, the co-facilitator should always be included in communications, um, unless for some reason the two facilitators have agreed in advance that one of them will liaise with one party on their own and report back to the other. Uh, having an additional facilitator on the day um, can also help in switching up the dynamics, so the parties are not always hearing from the same person, for instance. 
Um, and, and if you're engaging an external facilitator, then I think it's it's really important that that individual understands HMRC's processes. So, for example, it, it absolutely wastes everyone's time um, and money um, if an external is brought in who is not familiar with the LSS already and who cannot understand why HMRC seem to be sticking to certain points of principle. Yes. And uh, aside from the cost question, um, appointing an external mediator is definitely helpful in my experience, but also agree that they have to know not only the limits of the mediation process, but the constraints under which HMRC operate. But overall, I think mediation has undoubtedly been a success for HMRC. There are a lot of disputes that can be resolved and do get resolved by mediation, notwithstanding LSS. However, for some, it'll never be suitable, particularly those where there is a policy line for HMRC. For those cases, HMRC will need to be told by the tribunal they're wrong if they are. And so mediation is essentially a waste of time, unless it's just to narrow the issues. Um, what, what, what do you think? Yes, so, so absolutely, um, Ian. One of the things that I learned really early on is that if you're advising taxpayers about ADR, expectation management is, is absolutely key, and I can't stress that enough. So if you feel, for example, you've had a really good mediation day, um, yet HMRC simply refused to budge, um, that can itself be a real momentum killer for clients if, if not handled correctly, if they're not ready for it. So when I'm recommending ADR to clients, I always make a point of identifying what we hope to achieve from ADR upfront and the benefits to be gained from the process, even if there is ultimately no settlement. Um, so that can include, for example, really getting to the bottom of HMRC's objections. So, so if, for instance, HMRC's position has changed frequently during the course of a dispute, um, then by the end of the ADR day, you should be left in no doubt as to exactly what their case is. Um, that may lead to narrowing the issues and therefore saving time and costs at a hearing. Um, another example is helping potential witnesses to get to grips properly with what the dispute is about and where they fit into it and, and where their evidence is, is important. Um, another example is potentially settling some factual aspects so that, for instance, witnesses can be dispensed with altogether. Um, and a detailed statement of facts might be it might be possible to agree one of those after, after the ADR. Um, and finally, from an advisor's point of view, the ADR day can be really useful in intelligence gathering at great preparation for the hearing in due course if the dispute isn't going to settle, since there's usually nothing that can take you by surprise at the hearing following following an ADR, following a mediation day. Yes, I think, I think I'd agree with all that, um, but I wouldn't want to use ADR to dress rehearsal. Um, I do, but I do think it's useful to narrow the issues, particularly those points such as valuation, where the tribunal isn't really the best forum um, for making those decisions. Um, okay, um, assuming there is a dispute, which is suitable, and HMRC have agreed to mediation, um, what are your top tips for preparing for the mediation? So the pre-ADR day stages, in my view, are so important and can often be neglected. Um, people don't realise that, in fact, cases can and do settle in the run-up to the ADR itself. 
Um, I've had this happen in, in two of my cases, at least twice, where in those examples, in those cases, I was acting for, for the taxpayer um, as opposed to being the mediator. Um, in one case, the case settled at the document revision stage, um, and at, at another, in another case, it settled shortly after we'd submitted on a without prejudice basis draft witness statements that we would rely on should the case go to the tribunal. Um, because tax disputes can often be really complex, it, it's also useful for parties to have had enough time to get to grips with any position papers. Um, and indeed, if a party has questions after receiving a position paper from the other side, um, I find it absolutely the best that these questions are asked before the day itself. Um, it, it's important to realise that a, a day goes by very quickly. So, so anything that can be bottomed out beforehand absolutely should be. Um, it's also important to appreciate that HMRC may be receiving policy and technical advice too. So, so those stakeholders need the chance to consider and reflect on position papers um, and the like well in advance of the day. Uh, where ADR has not been successful, in my view, you know, of course, you may have some disputes that are never going to be settled through negotiation. But, but in my view, it's typically because not enough time has been set aside for these preparatory stages. So the parties are trying to close too much distance between them on the day of the ADR itself. Yes, I, I definitely agree about preparation. It seems to me something that's often underestimated. There's a need to be ready with both the evidence on the issues that might come up and the data on how different scenarios play out. It's no good just focusing on your pre preferred position and knocking down HMRC's argument. If there is to be a resolution on the day, you have to have a position on you know, plan B, C, D. So for example, in a partial exemption mediation, would you accept HMRC's preferred method for the future, provided HMRC accepted the change applied prospectively only? What if HMRC agreed you know, a new method from 2018? The fact mediation happens over just one day means you need to be ready and you can't make it up on that day. Exactly, you're quite right. And, and Ian, you, you made a really good observation a few moments ago. ADR is absolutely not the same as a tribunal hearing, but nonetheless, preparation is, is absolutely key. Um, and, and, and there's a, a, real, a really difficult balance to be struck in terms of how much you share with HMRC in advance. So going back to your example just then, do you give HMRC plans B to D to think about beforehand? Um, on one view, it would be good for HMRC to have had the chance to consider them all. But on the other hand, you don't want HMRC simply to plump for the one that gives them the highest tax take if you, if you share them all up front. Um, that's a good example, I think, of the sort of discussion you might want to have with the mediators before the day itself and see if you can get a steer from them in terms of when it is best to deploy the alternatives. Uh, as I mentioned before, there are some exceptions to confidentiality in HMRC ADR, but that is a good example of something that you could expect the mediators to keep to, to themselves. So, so say, if before the ADR day, it can be established that plan A is, is something that HMRC think they can work with, then at that point, there's no need to share the others in advance. But if, on the other hand, it can be established that HMRC think Plan A is a non-starter before the ADR day, then, then the taxpayer and their advisors might, for instance, want to de deploy Plan B in advance. Yes, I, I, I do sometimes wonder, as you say, that, that taxpayers sometimes think that, that, that they're in court. I don't think they use the flexibility of mediation and the, the opportunity 
of the mediator role enough in that in that process. Um, however, I would say, perhaps in the danger of being critical here, I, I would say that I sometimes find some of the HMRC mediators can be perhaps less driven to find a solution. Um, I fully accept they're neutral, but perhaps sometimes a bit passive. Um, and I, I'm not saying it, it's because we're we're talking healing, but I do I do sometimes think a taxpayer mediator brings some energy to finding a solution, if I can put it that way. Is that is anything you any thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. I, I think as as with most things, I think it depends on the individuals. So so I've heard anecdotes, for example, of some HMRC mediators who who must have formed the view that HM, the HMRC case team was being unreasonable. So they put pressure on them in a way that they wouldn't do to the taxpayer side and also um, actually might have been less inclined to do if they'd had an external co-facilitator present. Um, I've also heard anecdotes of external mediators being extremely passive themselves and not really facilitating the process. Now, of course, the party should feel that they have come to the tax solution themselves um, rather than being pressured into a particular outcome by the mediator. But I do think it's important for the facilitators to manage the process as actively as required. Um, and a lot of that management should absolutely be taking place before the ADR day itself. Um, finally, I think that it's important for all concerned to remember that it's, it's obviously it's not for the mediator to find an answer to the problem at hand. Uh, they will have far less familiarity with the dispute than the parties themselves. And so what might seem superficially attractive to a mediator um, might, in fact, just be wholly unworkable for a whole host of reasons they, they just don't appreciate. So I think you put it very well when you said that sometimes a mediator may bring energy to finding a solution in the sense that they should energise the parties to be their most creative and, and try their hardest to do so. Yes, I entirely agree with that. Um, thank you. Well, we could keep talking for a long time about tax mediation, but um, that's all we have time for now. I hope you found this discussion interesting. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, to my guest, Healing McCarthy. Really interesting, as always. Um, please look out for future podcasts uh, where we hope to cover other topical tax and related issues. Uh, but for now, uh, goodbye. <laughs>